boy, I hope we don't get sued for using that. We are talking about the history of the PlayStation. Welcome, Miles. How are you, buddy? Doing good. And that <laughs> is one of the most beautiful things I have ever heard. Takes I you back, love. man. It does, but it's not just that. I mean, that, yes, that sound does. It was the, it was the note of adventure. Like that, that was, that was what was taking you someplace new when, when we were kids. But other than that, I, I do think it is such a wonderful opening ditty for a console. And I feel like we are getting further and further away from that kind of personality for consoles to have. Well, we'll get into a little bit of that maybe later on, because I think that while that is not as prevalent, those things do still exist. It's they just do. you don't see them as often anymore. So. To get back to it, of course, we were supposed to be talking about Quibi this month and Quibi decided to Quibi and Quibi on Quibi, Quibi bye 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 uh, by the uh, the. Uh, in in sync, they were out of sync and uh, this joke isn't going anywhere. So Miles and I decided yeah, I'm, 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 I'm letting you I'm letting you drown in that one, buddy. <laughs> so Miles and I decided, you know, we're both avowed PlayStation fanboys. We, uh, you know, mm-hmm. amongst uh, amongst the the bigger uh, uh, the larger video game milieu and the PlayStation five debuted last week. It came out less than a week ago as the time that we are recording this. And we thought it might be fun to kind of go back and look at a little bit of the PlayStation, but not so much of a history lesson as we'd like to do because there's so much history. And also we're not going to say anything that a Wikipedia page can't about this, but really kind of well, talk that, yeah there, there there is that but it's uh, it, like you said there's so much history we could have a separate podcast on the history and release of every single one of these consoles and i mean we could have i mean four four ongoing shows about all four consoles to date and we're, we're not going to do that <laughs> we, we want to keep this a tight a tight little episode so we're, we're going to have a little history and more talk about the consoles themselves and the notable highlights from their time period right especially as we experience them because all 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 four of these systems kind of came i would say they they kind of grew up with us you know the the playstation come out came out probably at our most formative video game time and you and i both that was kind of our system from there on because i was a sega boy i i i had a sega genesis i had a super nintendo but i i, I scrimped and I saved my money to buy a sony playstation it was not a launch playstation it was you know down the line uh, and the price had dropped a bit and uh well mine was not also not a launch playstation because uh as i said i was a sega boy and i scrimped and I spent my money on the Sega Saturn. <laughs> well, we're not going to talk too much about the console wars of the different eras, uh, at least not this episode. But let's get into it. We're going to try to keep this moving because Miles and I like to ramble. We're just going to try. Uh, so let's see. Maybe in three hours from now, we'll have a different opinion on that. <laughs> but uh, 
But let's jump into the original Sony PlayStation. So the Sony PlayStation came out in Japan in December of 1994 and in the US in the September of 1995, almost a year later, because that's how things used to happen back then. Uh, and it's funny that you mention the console wars, because as highlighted in the recent documentary console wars, the PlayStation had a very memorable E3 in 1995. Are, are, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Do tell. <laughs> OK, so uh, I know we just said we weren't going to go into it, but this was uh, supposed to be the, the big reveal of the Sega Saturn. And the Sega Saturn was revealed to have a very, very high price point. I believe it was three nine nine, maybe even four ninety nine. Uh, they were still kind of playing with it. And the people at Sony knew that. So their entire presentation was. Uh, the guy, I'm not going to bother remembering names right now, but the guy walked up and you, and you can actually look up. There's a, there's a whole Wikipedia on the <laughs> E3 of 95, walked up to the microphone for the Sony conference, said the words 299 and walked off. That was it. <laughs> and, it and it was called the price heard around the world. And it was uh, essentially the death of Sega. Because... Sony being the only other person who was who was releasing a 3D console at the time. Uh, they just completely undercut them and and the Sega Saturn, as we all know, completely flopped. And it was mostly because, well, it, it, it doesn't matter why. That's a whole other history lesson. Go watch Console Wars on CBS All Access. It's fantastic. So but this had a, a grand debut as being a 299 console and I mean, this kind of started off the history of the PlayStation with a very positive momentum. And, and Sony at this point was a huge technology company. I mean, Sony stereos, Sony TVs, they, they were huge. And this was their first step into the video game world there. Of course, you can look up all sorts of stuff about how the Sony PlayStation started out as the Nintendo PlayStation with Sony and That's Nintendo working together and so an asterisk on that, when you watch console wars, you'll find out Sega was the one that tried to court them first. Yeah. So it's it's wild. It's a weird situation. But let's talk about what the change to both the PlayStation and the Saturn, but really the PlayStation, uh, what that meant for for gaming. So unlike prior consoles that used cartridges, so the 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 things you would stick into and then if it didn't work, you blew into it because that was supposed to work. It doesn't work. But and then and <coughs> plug into the console. Well, PlayStation used CD-ROMs. So what was what did that mean? Well, they weren't. The, we also had we know they weren't the, they weren't the first one, but they were the first 3D console. So that we, yes. so we have a, we also have a jump in in what they call the bits. Uh, prior consoles had been 8-bit in the Nintendo era and then 16-bit in the Sega Genesis Super Nintendo era. And now we have stepped into the 32-bit era. And that's just really the processing power uh, as, as many operations per second that things can run and all of that. So we so have- Back that time where that meant something. Like a yeah. generation skip now, it's it's better. You can tell it's better. But the degree to which it's better is not even close to the degree of which you went from even PlayStation 1, 2, and 3. But if you went from the 8-bit era to the 16-bit era to 32 to 128, like those those jumps 
were so massive. And and PlayStation, like Drew was talking about these 3D graphics. I mean, when you're coming from, I mean, I was I was I was giving them guff about the Sega CD, but when you're talking about playing 16-bit games and then looking at a full 3D plane on a normal console, not as a special like Sonic 3D, where it's a 2D game that's just cleverly rendered. And, and and we will and we will also say if you go back and look at this, they don't look so impressive anymore. But for the no, time, that, for the for time. The time uh, and I mean, th- that's the thing is you and I can talk about this because we we came from the time. And but there are still games that I think that both of us can get behind. And I think this this time period, I think the PlayStation one time period was so integral to the, I would say, creative energy for the next 20 years in video games. I think that the huge part of that is not just the 3D graphics, but also the capabilities of having full motion video and 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 cd quality soundtracks so we're breaking this stuff down into what we're calling the good the bad and the weird uh and when i say bad some of this stuff is not really that bad but it's just you know uh so so the good things about the the sony playstation and i'm gonna just go ahead and throw out there this was the era that jrpgs japanese role-playing games really took off in the united states they existed yes. before. They had existed on previous consoles on on the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. But this was when you had it became mainstream mainstream success. You've got games like uh, Final Fantasy seven that you can watch me and Tyler and Mike play every Thursday at twitch.tv slash cosmic crit almost every Thursday. You've got You've got games like Wild Arms, which is the first PlayStation game I ever played. You've got uh, Star oh, really? Ocean. Yeah, it was. Uh, you've got Star I think Ocean. I demo for Spyro. Yeah, you've got all sorts. Well, I think I did that one too. But no, I played Crash Bandicoot. That was the demo disc that, that came around. Uh, so you know, many. One of the jam packs. <laughs> yeah. So, so And that was it was such a different thing that it was it was also not at all different. It was exactly the same thing that had come before. Just. For some reason, I want to say this was also when anime was really starting to break out in the United States from a from a super niche to just a niche. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Sci-Fi Channel was picking it up and had done well. You know, they would show Akira and Armored uh, Three and a couple of these things, and then some of these shows would start to bleed out. I don't think DBZ got really big here until about ninety eight ish. I want to say that still would have been in the realm of the it's PlayStation. Still the, it's 1. still the PS one era. Sure, um, you're right. I think I don't think we can overstate how integral not just JRPGs, but the Japanese style of storytelling was, because, I mean, if you think about more of the. What we would consider kind of Western style games, maybe your 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 twisted metals and stuff like that. Uh, the ones that I, that stand out from this era, if, if, if are we talking about games yet or are we just kind of still? Well, I, mean, I think I think we need to talk about games because I think what you're you're making me realize something like I think of my favorite games on the PlayStation one and I'm thinking of Japanese games. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I don't know off the top of my head that I can think of any uh, Western developer that made a PS1 game that I'm just like gaga about but i'm also more in a japanese games period i definitely i I definitely was at the time which is why that's a little more complicated uh i 
I still am <laughs> going to have to do that research. But I think of games like like, you know, of course, Final Fantasy seven, Final Fantasy eight, all the, the contemporary Final Fantasies that that really became what we know of as a mainstream franchise today. And then you have games like Metal Gear Solid, which is well, and I want to I want to pause to talk about Metal Gear Solid. And I know it's one that you love, Drew. This this game was, I think, for me, one of I, I remember playing the demo and it's one of the most important gaming experiences I had as a as a young person, because that was the moment that I saw the the ability to, of video games to tell a story cinematically. And it's entirely the way that uh, Hideo Kojima and his team built that game, because even from the demo, when you're going through the sewers in that first bit and the credits are still popping up on the screen as you move around, that was so mind blowing at the time. He he also, like, unlike a lot of other games, he took the time to. Frame his his story shots in engine and what i mean by in engine is many other games would use full motion video animated things live action people doing things uh, uh but but he took the time to to have these sweeping things with with super blocky ps1 era solid snake and and otacon and you know we look back on it and it looks a little silly now but back then that those were the kind of of cinematography takes. I've been using that word a lot on this show in the last few weeks that it was a lot of those takes that other people just weren't doing in their games, at least to the same level. I I think it's one of the reasons why that we always kind of give Kojima that auteur status. I mean, Death Stranding is a cool auteur game. It's a very weird game. It's a very Kojima game. But I think Metal Gear Solid is where we start to see in the mainstream that kind of visionary talent like yes you had police knots and you had snatcher but in terms of a wide release that people in in the united states played metagross solid was something special and it it gave everyone that it was almost like a a film bro kind of film because it's it's the kind of one thing that everyone's always going to talk about despite the fact that it's excellent but it's one of those games that everyone's going to superficially mention as, oh, yeah, that was great. But this game was great. I mean, it got meta. There was a boss that read your cartridge and you had to switch control ports so that you could beat him because he was uh, controlling you. He, he was psychic and he could read your mind and he would he would tell you because it was a Konami, Konami is the game company that put it out. If you had other Konami game game files on your memory card, he's like, ah, I see you're a fan of Castlevania. And it's like, oh, and that was the one that everyone brings up because most people played Castlevania Symphony Night and which, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that one, because you know, that was one that really brought Castlevania up to prominence. And I think the real reason that we still talk about Castlevania today. I, I would say that that is and I know Castlevania fans may wince and, and kind of disagree with that. But I would say it, without Symphony of the Night, Castlevania would have remained a niche series. But the popularity and the expert design of that what's now called Metroidvania game is I, I, I pitch perfect. So let's let's get into some of the the bad. And again, this is this is uh, 
you know, not necessarily bad. It's it's just one of those things where it's like steps forward, steps backward. And and the one that I want to pull out is something that I think we don't think about often. And that's something called that, that's all. <laughs> yeah, it's load times. We we have been in an existence with this for more than 20 years now. Before the CD based games, there were no load times on a cartridge based game. You pop that sucker in and it's ready to go with in most cases because it can read and write to that cartridge so fast. But CDs had to spin up and it had to load that data into into to memory. And and that's how it ran. And for some games, that wasn't much of an issue. But when it's a game, say, like Final Fantasy seven or eight, which uh, changes things every time you get into a random battle that can start to irritate you. (laughs) Or if it's Um, if it's it's a Namco uh, Ridge Racer game, it gives you a little uh, Galaga game to play while you're (laughs) waiting for the race to run. But I will say, because we never experienced them before, it was something we also acclimated ourselves to very quickly. Like. I, I do remember being irritated, especially by random battles. But at the same time, like I complain much more about having to wait for the Witcher or Skyrim to load back up after I've messed something up than I ever remember complaining about loading a a matchup in in Twisted Metal or Tekken Three or something. Sure. So I th- I think you're right in that this was a new thing that we had to deal with, but I. I don't remember being so bogged down by it just because it was the norm at the time. But I, I, there is something that, that does we don't really think about too much anymore, and that is memory card. Because while at the time, most memory cards could kind of get you where you need to be, they didn't bother putting one in the box. I did not have a memory card for the first, uh, ooh, let me think at least two weeks that I had a PlayStation and I had borrowed, I, I had borrowed wild arms, this JRPG from a friend. And I played the opening part of that game four times. I, I took my PlayStation on a vacation with me and I bought Xenogears for $15 at target and I loaded it up and I realized I had left my memory card at home and I just played the intro part of that a couple of times uh, a, a, a day for oh, that man. week that we were on vacation. Uh, it's it's something, again, as we've now moved into having hard drives on consoles that, you know, we, we don't have to worry about as much anymore. But, you know, it was it was these things that were just little little hiccups and, and stuff that also became very, you know, very de rigueur, very, very uh, uh, blasé. Oh, but also at the same time, having a memory card was also really cool. I could take my just my memory card to my friend's house and show them my game on their PlayStation. I, I, I do like the simplicity of the memory card, and I have a lot of fond memories because I, I think I had like two or three because you, you would get like, a, you know, the 32X card or whatever it was, and which I think was like, what, 32 megabytes or something like that? Something crazy. No, what, it, what, yeah, it was might have been smaller than that based on what it, the based on some future stuff. Well, no, because that was the PS2. That was a piece. Oh, I, I, I don't know what the, the PS1 was. I mean, it didn't take much, but yeah, that was a cool thing is like if I knew my buddy had a game, we were going to go uh, on a trip together. Like if I was going to, to um, the beach with him or something, I would just grab my memory card, which I, I remember doing one time with Resident Evil because I was stuck on a part 
and we went through that part almost the entire time we were there and ended up being the game but yeah i i, I really liked I think that I think the memory card was a cool thing. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we have external memory uh, hard drives now, but but it's not the same. It's not the same. So let's get into the weird, because this is where I think the that the PS1 opens a door to just some some oddities in gaming. And one of them I want to talk about is. The mod chipping scene. So prior to this, if you wanted to get your hands on a Japanese copy of a game, you probably could if you were really willing to do it. I'm not sure. I don't remember specifically if a U.S. place or U.S. Super Nintendo could play a U.S. Super Famicom game with. Uh, there were. I know that for some other consoles, um, there, there were there, cartridge there adapters. A, yeah, there's a cartridge adapter that you have to have because uh, there's a a very cool Metroidvania-ish game called Holy Diver, no relation to the Dio song, that is supposed to be one of the hardest. And one of the, and, and I think even the cartridge was in English, but the only way to play it was to have a, uh, a Famicom adapter. And that's and basically it's, it's like... Almost like a Game Genie type thing. You, just, you slide that in, and then you pop it on top. Well, with a CD-based game, you can't do that. So you now had region locking in systems. So if it was a game that that was supposed to play in a US NTSC console or a Japanese console or a European PAL console, it only worked in that one. But that was all software based stuff. So enterprising young people figured out that they could basically hack their PlayStations. They could install these mod chips to allow them to play international games. And did you have a mod chip? I I would never dare not because not because I didn't want one because if I could have had one and it was easy I would have it's because I was I not com- I was not competent or confident enough to do it myself and I didn't I didn't want to mess up my PlayStation you were overthinking it you were overthinking it I promise you it was really easy <laughs> it was it was very very easy and I know you and I know how smart you are you it, I think you psyched yourself out. It, it was not difficult. And um, the and, and by mod shipping, this opened up, which is why I always get a little testy because I'm a master defender of the Dreamcast. I should have been wearing my Dreamcast shirt. Um, a lot of people say, oh, the, what killed the Dreamcast was it was so easy to, to bootleg games. And honestly, it was really easy to bootleg PlayStation games too because... I, I didn't do it as much because I, I was able to to buy the games because I, you know, I had friends that worked at a game store and then I worked at a game store. Getting games was not necessarily difficult for me, but I my, one of my best friends growing up, most of his games were bootlegged. And it wasn't difficult to find because a lot of people thought the black the, the the black bottom of the disc meant, oh, you couldn't copy it. And not really. And and Best Buy sold black copy CDRs. Um, and that was a wild thing to experience because for the first time you had bootlegging in in video games, at least on a wide spread. Um, yeah, I mean, there there was back in the Nintendo, the NES era, there was the Tengen carts, but that involved a whole separate manufacturing arm of making bootleg cartridges. It's a lot easier right. to copy a CD. A lot 
easier to yeah. copy a CD. Because uh, this is around the same time that CD burners were becoming commonplace. And this is where I want to bring up another weird thing. And I'm looking, we're almost at the half hour mark already. We got to pick up the pace. Uh, something called Bleem, which actually started out as something called Bleem Cast. Do you, are you familiar with Bleem? I, I, I had Bleem. I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm forgetting what it did. So Bleem Cast, which is where it started, I think, uh, was a PlayStation emulator that ran on the Dreamcast. And it was later ported to, of all platforms, the Mac. And you had to have a Mac G3 right. in order to uh, a G3 processor in order to do it. And it basically you installed the software and it let you run PlayStation discs on your Mac, which is wild and there were I, I, I do remember that now because I, I when you said bleem i was like that name sounds so familiar why don't i remember well, it and there were tons <laughs> of court cases about it and i'm pretty sure that sony lost those court cases but uh, i should have looked that up uh but beyond it, but this is a wild time i mean this is even i think around the time or pre napster like this is this is we're on the we're on the wild frontier of internet stuff yeah emulation of for for Nintendo and Super Nintendo games had started. It was not great, but it had started. But all of a sudden to just be able to run a PlayStation game on your computer, I was like, what? This is wild. And also keep in mind, this is also the era where you didn't necessarily have a PC port of every game that was on console like we have today. You know, right now, you know, if you couldn't get, you know, this game or that game on every platform, it was just in this one place. Uh, We've talked a bit about Japanese games already. Uh, there were this was also the opening of the doors to just weird Japanese games like Irritating Stick or Incredible Crisis or Vib Ribbon, just these very quirky Japanese things that that are just, you know, very different than any kind of American game. I just wanted to name those titles. Go look them out. Look, go look them up, especially Irritating Stick, because that game was insanely difficult <laughs> <laughs> well the reason because I, I do feel like that i know we're staying on the ps1 for a little bit but i feel like the other ones are going to move a little bit faster because i don't think it can be overstated how how important this generation was we 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 have kind of glossed over and this was kind of the the dangerous part about doing this episode is going to be glossing over a lot so if you have if yeah if you're if your ass is why don't you mention this it's like well it's not it's we're trying to do everything at the same time. Um, but to go back to like MGS and Final Fantasy, for, for me as a gamer, and I understand that it existed before, especially in games like Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy VI, a.k.a. Final Fantasy III in the States, and and games uh, like that. But I uh, Chrono Trigger, Miles. Did I not say Trigger? You said Cross, it's fine. Cross is uh, the well, PlayStation I, I, 1 sequel. Yes, so it's, it, 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 it is the, the preferable game uh, for me. I mean, you can flip me off all you want. I prefer <laughs> Chrono Cross to Chrono Trigger. But what I was going to say is I feel like the, the PS1 era and not just not just the PS1 games, uh, everything from the time, this, this includes Saturn and N64 too, but the PS1 era for me was a milestone in showing to gamers and future developers, people who would become developers, the what you could do in, with storytelling in an interactive medium. And I think it cannot be overstated how important, how influential this specific, and even the PS2 especially, era was in terms of storytelling for games. 
And I think that, that kind of leads us into the PlayStation 2. I, I, I want to bring up one final thing. I, I know I keep I, I know I, I want to move on just as much as you do, but I got to talk about demo discs. I, mean, came, I, I can watch PS1 all day. We they can came do up all day, demo, buddy. De- demo discs came up at the beginning. And just imagine that you could get a magazine and it could have a disc that could have demos of all of the, the upcoming best, games. It? it was the absolute best possible thing. And I have maybe one of the rarest demo discs, Miles. Are you ready for this? Is it the uh, Final Fantasy VII one? No. So I have an, one? I have a an official U.S. PlayStation Magazine demo disc that includes a demo for a video game called Macross VFX2. Macross, as you as you all may know, uh, is one of my favorite anime series of all time, featuring uh, jet planes that transform into giant robots. I was a huge fan, and there were plans yes. for Macross VFX2, the the sequel to Macross VFX, to get released in the United States. So much so that they had done a lot of work to it. They had added uh, a new uh, Valkyrie fighter to it. I think it was the VF 5000. I can't remember off the top of my head because it's literally been 20 years. But uh, and as, as part of that promotion, they included a demo of this game on the disc. That's awesome. But that game never came out here. It was at the start. It was when when a bunch of if you had a mod chip. Well, uh, <laughs> not a, not in English, <laughs> but uh, it the, 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 that game was supposed to come out, and then a bunch of legal battles started, which legal battles for the Macross license in the United States still continue to this day. Harmony Gold is a nightmare. Yes, uh, but that is the only official macross video game that's ever been released in the u.s was it was it never retooled as a robotech thing or anything no it wasn't there was a robotech game for the ps2 and the gamecube but the macross wild that was that was a a western based a western created game that's wild to me because i mean at the very least you could just slap robotech on it and call it something else and and bob's your uncle yeah you got a game like that's 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 wild to me. That yeah. They, that especially given I, I don't want to get into a whole Macross tangent, but it's it is it is insane that they that they gave this demo out for a specific Macross game. And 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 we're so confident that this game was gonna come out and and uh, I would assume Harmony Gold put the kibosh on it or something. Uh, so so this was again around the same time that this is a Macross tangent. We need to move on because there's there's a reason that that anime OVAs like Macross 2 and Macross Plus got released in the US and then nothing after that did. That's right. all I'll say, uh, because somebody let their rights lapse and then somehow got the rights back or realized they could exercise the rights. And anyway, I just again, demo discs. I have a soft spot for them. I have a soft spot for demos in general, and they don't really seem to exist that much anymore which is weird. No, they, they don't. And, and but, I, before anyone pops up and says, oh, well, you know, you can download the demo of this. It's not the same. It really isn't. Because sometimes these demos, and I think the, the, the most modern example I can think of is Final Fantasy 15. Because sometimes these demos weren't evil ne- levels from the game. Sometimes they were just, they were just, they were actually actual demos, uh, like almost like tech demos to, hey, this is how you can experience these, these things in our game. And I, man, I, part of it is, yes, it was my childhood. It was my formative gaming years, but 
it was also a really exciting time in gaming because it really felt like the sky was the limit. Like I, I feel like now we're we're in the sky, but here was like we were launching off. This was this was the launching point of of graphical capability, of creativity, everything kind of launched off in this 32-bit era. And it's wild. And it's also kind of ugly. Like we've talked about this, how some of these games don't look so great, uh, all the polygons today. But they're still, and, and weirdly enough, younger kids, oh, well, kids, like 19 to 25 year olds, are super into this style. There is a, especially if you are specifically into horror games, there is a whole scene into making PS1 horror games. Yeah, and I, I think they're ironically into it, like the kids who are way no, into cassette tapes. I, I'm part of one of the discords. There's nothing ironic about it. <laughs> and, and to the to the degree they, they threw their own E3 this year in the absence of E3 called Eek3. And it was like an hour of of horror PS1 demos. And it was <laughs> really good. Like the, I, some I, of these I games are really good. <laughs> so no, th- there's nothing ironic. They they legit like this weird aesthetic it's it's the same as like us being like oh yeah i collect vinyl or uh vhs tapes you know it's it's that kind of thing well sometimes miles we talk about our child our childhood and sometimes we gotta grow up a little bit and much like sony decided that they needed to do with the release of the playstation 2 uh, the playstation mm-hmm. 1 was a roaring success uh, i i believe you could probably say that it dominated that generation of, of video game consoles uh the the uh, certainly beat the sega saturn nintendo 64 had a lot of really marquee titles but i don't know that they ever had the same market penetration that the playstation did uh, i mean it's it's wild I, I i had an n64 so i i just kind of assumed it was popular like i mean with anything as a kid, you kind of assume the thing that you have is is the normal. So I've never really done a whole lot of research. I assume the N64 is pop, popular. Well, uh, what, I, what I think of with the N64 is I think of five games, and I think that those five games are fantastic. But then I think of the PlayStation 1, and I can think of 15 games that were fantastic. I, I, I just think it was, a, it was an economy of scale thing. But anyway, so we're moving on to the PlayStation 2. So it was released in March of 2000 in Japan and October of 2000 in the U.S. So again, that window of release, still pretty weird, still pretty big, but shrinking ever so slightly. And it had a retail price, once again, of $2.99. How insane is that? (laughs) Like, not until recently did we see that kind of consistency, because, I mean, to to move ahead, you know, the, the PS3 spikes up and the PS4 kind of comes back down. But for it to remain the same price, that that that's insane to me i mean i think only nintendo does that kind of consistency in terms of its pricing well nintendo's pricing actually went up with the switch but uh from the wii u i think we used 250 anyway i don't remember i don't remember remember. (laughs) and i'm I'm 50 50 bucks does not matter (laughs) i'm not gonna look at it right now so the playstation 2 it marked it moved it, this was a big deal because it didn't use cds anymore it used these newfangled fancy dvds what and in fact was and the- that is such a key to its success because at the time it was cheaper to buy a ps2 than it was to buy a conventional dvd player which <laughs> blows my mind now 
But for kids, it was like, hey, we can buy this family entertainment system. This is around the time that Sony started kind of marking themselves as an entertainment system is we can buy this game console and get a DVD player all on the same go. And you're spending less or equivalent money. And that that's honestly why the Dreamcast, you know, flopped. Uh, there were other other there decisions. Other but that was a main one is the PS2 flew off the shelves because it was a DVD player there. I remember going to Toys R Us for the launch of the PS2 because we had saved our money and we had to wait in line outside around the corner. Like, I mean, those old school videos you see of people waiting outside stores that that's what it was. And, and, and it was just such a step up in hardware capability from the PS1 just Suddenly you could have, you know, surfaces that looked curved and it was just amazing. And and I'm going to mention this again in the in the next console. But I remember uh, before I had a PS2, I think. Yes, because this was not a launch title, but it came out the same year. Metal Gear Solid 2 specifically, I remember seeing the preview in a game magazine. And looking at the images that they they had uh, given them. And thinking, oh, my God, how did they do this? Games will never look better than this. Yeah. And I mean, I think this every generation. But but I, I love the fact that at one point I saw like Laura Croft in the first Tomb Raider and think they will never perfect the human form better than this. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well, that's that's another thing that, uh, that oddly brings me to another mark in the in the good column for the PlayStation 2 is that. This is though it's not the first console ever to do this. It is a very interesting time where the PlayStation 2 was fully backwards compatible with the PlayStation 1. Mm-hmm. It had for some reason, I think it was an, a piece of audio hardware that they used that was the same thing. Like they just used the PS1's processor as the audio processor for the PlayStation 2. So all the guts were in there. So all so so it had full capability. You could play all your PlayStation one games. You could plug in your PlayStation one controllers for some reason, if you really wanted to. And I don't know why you would want to. You can plug in your memory cards, anything like that. It was so so there you you might have a like I, I fully remember the PlayStation two came out with like a three game <laughs> launch titles or something like that. I remember the bouncer, the bouncer. That's what I specifically uh, remember SSX tricky. Yep. Uh, uh, um, uh, Tekken Tag Tournament. Mm. Fantavision. It's probably one more that I don't remember. Unreal. Awesome. Unreal. Oh, yeah. Unreal. Not, um, not the Unreal Engine. The, Unre- the Unreal, the first person shooter that would eventually become the Unreal Engine. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it's wild that 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 game begat an engine <laughs> or was it unreal tournament yeah unreal tournament, unreal tournament i think uh, um i i remember i specifically remember the bouncer because i remember thinking oh this is these are the guys now knowing company names and and reputations and following them specifically okay this is square enix they've had an anime style these are the guys that made final no, fantasy 7 it wasn't eight, square enix it was squaresoft because they weren't square enix until later yeah yeah, yeah. squaresoft uh they were not enix until 10 is after 10, I think. Why have been before 10? I don't remember. 
anyway, it's we it's covered square. it in our Final it, Fantasy VII episode. Go back and listen to that. Yeah. Uh, it, so it was it was. Well, that would have been Enix by then. Um, so the 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 people that made the Final Fantasy games, and this looks like a, a beat 'em up in in the in the in the style of Streets of Rage and Double Dragon, all these games that I grew up loving, but with this these bright neon colors and everything looked so at the time realistic quote unquote it's like i was playing an anime to me and and now as i look at the cover of this this goober of a game um <laughs> you know i'm laughing at myself but i remember looking at this game thinking oh man this is next level stuff and boy howdy was was i wrong i've been mean, just looking at these these chests and this, these Nomura, like these, none of these characters would look outside. They, they look strange outside of Kingdom Hearts. Like it's, it's wild. <laughs> well, so, so here's where I think the biggest part of the PlayStation two era. And, and I, I extend that to the, the Xbox one or not, not the Xbox one, the original Xbox. Now that I have to call it that. And the GameCube, which are also parts of this gener- generation is that we, at the end, you know, when the PlayStation came out, the Nintendo 64 came out and it had a single uh, analog stick for movement, meaning, you know, analog sticks, meaning there is you could move it a little bit and Mario would go a little bit or you could to move it all the way to the side and Mario would run forward. Sony introduced an analog stick, an analog controller that had two analog sticks on it. Uh, then they released one that also had vibration in it because this is a very iterative time called the DualShock. Well, the PlayStation 2 started with the DualShock 2. And the DualShock 2 was a very interesting controller. It had two analog sticks uh, so that you could have, and this is where game makers realized, you know, in, in, in first person games and third person games that you could use one stick to move the camera and one stick to move your character. And we're finally starting to figure out how to make that stuff work in a more fluid fashion. Yes. The the PS2 also took that one step further, and not only were the sticks analog, but the buttons were analog. You press that X button a little bit, and it might do something. You press it a lot, and it might do something else. And not many games use that, and it was a feature that has not been replicated in any PlayStation console since, but I just like to throw that out there because I, I heard the PS5 is supposed to do that a little bit more. Uh in the in, triggers, not in the triggers, not the buttons. To. Yeah, uh, uh, but also the DualShock Two would kind of become the basis of every PlayStation controller moving forward, which I think is a great thing. I I I've always found the PlayStation controllers to be super comfortable, intuitive. It's how I prefer to play. I have I have owned every Xbox console, so I don't want anyone to think I'm starting crap. But the Xbox controllers just never felt good to me. I, I I like the 360 controller. I like the 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 Xbox One controller. But again, I'm I'm a PlayStation stand, so I I my my thumbs navigate yeah. towards the towards the analog sticks. So uh, yeah, I, I was gonna try to come up with some some reason as to why. And they feel better, but I was literally going to say it just feels like coming home. I'm like, okay, it's my personal preference. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, the, the the design of these controllers are just they're super comfortable for me. And I mean, outside of of the the DVD and the better graphics, 
a PlayStation two for a while. Um, I mean, it was, there was no other console to get. I mean, I, I mean this, this is the thing. I'm sure there's bad stuff to talk about the, the PlayStation two. I'm, oh, I struggled to come up with anything. This console was so ubiquitous. Uh, Sony really just dominated the market. They dominated advertising. They they put a console out of business just by marketing materials before the console was out. And I'm talking about the Dreamcast. I know there's a plenty. Of, we got, could I got there, pull one out from my bro. There are theses. The Dreamcast was such a good system. I I, I can't. I'm not gonna talk ill about the Dreamcast. I got a Dreamcast six feet from me right now. I I am looking at it. Love that Dreamcast. But uh, to to uh. To highlight what Drew is saying, saying the PlayStation 2 is the and I'm 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 not being hyperbolic. It is the best selling video game console of all time. It has sold 155 million copies worldwide. The closest competitor is has an asterisk. It's the Nintendo DS which has sold 154.02, and that is labeled as the Nintendo DS family. So that includes every other iteration of the DS, including the, the DSi, et cetera. So in terms of individual consoles, the PS2 is, and, and still remaining, the best-selling console of all time. Because I don't think you can be stressed how dominant this console was. Because even though that Microsoft put out their Xbox and the Xbox was a very good system, it's a competent system. It was a very good selling system. And, you know, in terms of power, it outdid the PS5 or I'm sorry, the PS2. But because of what Sony was able to do in terms of its games, in terms of its presentation, in terms of retaining its fan base, it didn't matter that the, the Xbox might have been more powerful. You know, it had the DVD player, it had the games, it had the ingenuity, it had the storytelling. It, it, and had, it had the it, backing of every Japanese game company. Right. Which is a huge and deal now, then. And, and while uh, Microsoft's Xbox does see the rise of a lot of the Western developers starting to, to get involved, it still wasn't enough. I mean, the Xbox sold well. It sold 24 million copies in 2000, uh, from 2001. So it's not, it's not a bad seller at all. But it's still not even a top ten, and 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 you know uh, PS2 only had a year on it. So while the conversation in your game magazines and everything might have veered towards uh, Xbox, because let's let's face it, we're all adults here. We know money is thrown at these magazines to cover certain things better. The PS2 was was the winner of this generation, and honestly, of all generations, like this. <laughs> This, for a lot of people, is the perfect console. It was a it was just a tremendous time. Like, like Xbox had Halo. That's really the only thing that I can remember Xbox fans really throwing in the face of PlayStation fans. Yeah, I mean, I know that they had, well, they had Conqueror's Bad Fur Day, I think. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Conqueror's is great. And the game's hard, too. Um, no, I mean there there are, there were good games on the Xbox. I, I'm not I'm not going to throw shade. Conquer's um, bad because I'm, what was there? There's the N64 one. There's there's a there's a Xbox one too. I think that might have been the, I, I think that might have been on the 360 though, which was later. Oh, you could be right. Yeah, actually, I think you are. 
So, but, but, um, so, but again, this is one of those things where, you know, the original Xbox didn't have a super long shelf life. Nope. It was Xbox Conquer Live and Reloaded. The, the, uh, the original Xbox didn't have a super long shelf life. No. And the PS2 had a long, it had a good a long, long one. But and, and that was thanks to those those Japanese RPGs. I remember in a time where the 360 and the PS3 were out, Play Magazine put a PS2 game on the cover, and that was Persona 4. <laughs> and that was probably the last PS4 game or PS2 game I bought. <laughs> well, but but Microsoft kind of saw the writing on the wall and they moved very quickly to the Xbox mm, 360. And the Xbox 360. Um, but the Xbox, or the original Xbox sold all right, but the Xbox 360 sold real well. And it did. And and Sony. Feeling a little threatened, but also having just come off this dominating generation of almost a decade of top sales and everything, they decided to release the next step the PlayStation 3. It released in November of 2006, both in Japan and in the US, although the weeks differ. I think Japan beat beat the US by like a, a week. It released, remember, PlayStation 1, $299. PlayStation 2, $299. The PlayStation 3 actually launched with two different console specs. Now, we have moved from the world of memory cards to the world of internal hard drives so that you could save your data and even download games to those hard drives. It was really cool. Well, there was a 20 gigabyte model of the PlayStation 3 and a 60 gigabyte model of the PlayStation 3 for $499 and $599 respectively. Yeah, and and this this caused a a pushback and and this is where, where you see the quote unquote console wars that we know today really kind of start to brew up. And I, I remember I remember working at, at, at a place where you stop to buy games and the the. The atmosphere there was so different because I remember people making up stories of like, oh, yeah, the PS3, you know, I heard that there was the, that the, the launch was so bad. No one was there and they didn't sell any consoles and all, you know, you know so many of them bricked. And, and the, the fact of the matter was, and this is a stigma that stuck with the PS3, that the, the, for whatever reason, the, the idea that the PS3 struggled has always stuck with this console. When the fact of the matter is the, the PlayStation 3 itself had less of a defective rate than what was mainstream known as the red ring of death for the xbox 360 and in the end it sold better than the 360 well we uh, we i do want to i do want to clarify the 360 had about a year uh, l- uh, launch ahead of the ps3 it, it launched did. it launched at 299 and 399 we're not going to get into all the specs of that because it also had one that didn't have a hard drive and one that did have a hard drive but it launched in 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 2005 in november of 2005 so literally a full year before the PS3 came out. So you've got all of that. And Sony 
feels at the same time that they've had something that they're working on, but they don't really know what they're doing. But they, they but that the, there was faith in the name brand. And then the the head of Sony Entertainment Interactive makes a statement like, we believe that our fans will take on a second job in order to afford one of our consoles. And that just it put a it bad everyone the wrong way. And and we'll talk like, about we'll talk about the good of the PS3 because I do I We'll talk. We'll talk about the good of the PS3. I the PS3 was not my primary console for a while during that generation. It then became it because my Xbox 360 broke. But the bad. Oh, I, I see. I, I traded in my 360 and maybe my PS2 like launch day to get the PS3 because I only had a 360 because it was a next gen console. I wanted to play something you know with that was of the next generation. And the PS3 wasn't out yet. And I, so my 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 promise to myself was as soon as the PS3 became available, I was going to basically sell whatever I could to the game store to, to, to get it. The, the, um, the, and then this was the PS3 to me is a lesson in hubris because you have a lot of things going on. with the sure. PS, You have a lot of things going on with the PS3 that seem both good and bad. PS2 is super popular, so you expect, okay, we are going to be able to price this thing competitively based on the work we've put into it. But when you've got a competitor that's pricing that at $100 underneath that at launch, and keep in mind, a year later, those prices are going to start coming down anyway. Mm -hmm. And you've already got your brand new console versus a console that's just a year old that's already $1 to $200 cheaper. That's a huge deal. You've also got the cell processor, which is the brand new thing that's in all of the Sony marketing materials, this new super fast processor that's going to run everything and it's going to be amazing. And and the, the Iraqi military is trying to import a bunch of PS3s to network them into a supercomputer and all of this stuff is stuff that actually happened. Um, but the problem with the cell processor, yes, it was powerful. And yes, the PS3 was more powerful than the Xbox 360 but it was harder to make games for. It was harder to program for. There were more hitches in the giddy up, if you will, especially when you look at the Xbox 360, which was built more like a PC. So in this era, you've got the PC really coming into fruition as its own game platform. Not like the PC gaming has always existed, but you're starting to have and it's more always been popular. It's always been popular, console. but the types of games that were on PC and the types of games that were on console were typically a little different. But now yes. you're getting you're getting way more direct ports between the two because you've got Microsoft, the Windows company, putting this stuff out. And the Xbox 360 was as easy to program for as a Windows computer, give or take, obviously. Uh, so you had a lot more stuff like that happening. And and Sony it just thought that their position was stronger than it was. And who didn't? Who would not have thought that uh, if, if you worked for Sony at the time? That's really the thing. You, you, you've also got other other things like the Blu-ray player. Blue, so they wanted the, the PlayStation 3 to do for Blu-ray what the PlayStation 2 did for DVD. And the only problem is DVD didn't really have competent competing format. Blu-ray did in the form of HD DVD. I know HD DVD as the time of that we're recording this in November of 2020 does not exist anymore, but it definitely did back then. And it, mm -hmm. it was a, still a toss up at that point, which one was going to be the winner. 
Um, it was also the first internet. That was also the first PlayStation with built-in internet. We skipped over talking about the the network adapter network for adapter. the PS2, which I bought. Yeah, Final Fantasy XI was on that. <laughs> yeah, it, you had to have a hard drive for Final Fantasy XI. I bought that network adapter to play uh, that weird Resident Evil game, and that was, was a terrible Resident oh, Evil. Oh, uh, Resident Evil Outbreak, I think. Outbreak, yeah, awful, awful game. Anyway, <laughs> uh, back to the PS3. It awful. <laughs> so, so you've now got. Uh, internet access built into the console with both Wi-Fi and Ethernet and all of that good stuff, much like the Xbox 360 has had. And unlike the Xbox 360, uh, which charged you uh, an amount per month or per year to get online to play games, PlayStation Network, PSN, was free. You just had to sign in and it was free and it was awesome. Yeah. Until a group of hackers took it down and it was down for three Three months months? four months i think but but so the good thing at the time in terms of the psn being down was just because the psn was down because i think it'd be i think it was different for the ps4 that does not mean you couldn't use the internet on your system like i could still watch netflix on the ps3 i just couldn't play online you say and, that, but when you have the biggest games of the time being these online first person shooters or EA sports games. I mean, yeah, the yeah, sports games, but like as far as I mean, yes, online first person shooters are and were popular. But I was saying for me, I didn't care as much because I could at least still watch my streaming services. If the PSN went down now, I think those apps are still tied into the PSN and nothing would work. That I honestly don't know. Um, it was it, it was a it was a I could a, be wrong about that. I probably am. It was a huge, huge problem. And this is also just not discounting other just weird things that happened, like the story of the six axis. Do you remember the six axis, Miles? Yeah. Yeah. So the six axis controller is the controller that came bundled with the PlayStation 3. I liked it. Everyone called it a batarang, but I thought it was just it, it's fine well no the batarang was a weird it was a different controller the batarang was an e3 reveal that never actually got put into production the six axis looks like a dual shock smells like a dual shock but has no motion no vibration in it at all it was called yeah. the six axis because it, it, it had it doesn't, it, it doesn't weigh like a dual shock yeah <laughs> it was called the six axis because it it uh, it uh, could you could tilt it and it would have a six way a six axis uh, uh, motion control that nothing ever used. But uh, there was a right. The first Ratchet and Clank for PS3 used it a little bit. I mean, it would have been a first party title and it would have been in the launch year. But uh, there was a a a patent problem with the vibration and there was a lawsuit. So Sony just didn't include it. Now, later on, they did introduce something called the DualShock 3, which was basically just exactly the same controller that they had released for the PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2, just wireless with a battery in it. Um, and, and, and that was that was really it. And just again. And, and the other weird thing about this system is that there was revision after revision after revision of this console. And I want to talk about backwards compatibility because that was a huge part of the ps2 
And the PlayStation, mm-hmm. the original model of PlayStation 3 that came out, the 20 gigabyte model and the 60 gigabyte model had PS2 hardware in it and it could play PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 games hardware emulated. And it was great. And the second revision of the PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 3 had software emulation. They had cut down all of that stuff to cut down on that $600 price point. They bumped up the hard drive capacities a little bit. I want to say it was uh, 40 and 80 uh, by that point. I can't remember specifically, uh, but sounds about right. But they they then but but it wasn't hardware based emulation. It was software based emulation. So not all games would run the right way, especially for PlayStation 2 games. This is actually the PS3 that I got my hands on. And then there was the PS3 Slim and then there was an even slimmer Slim and they eliminated backwards compatibility completely but it didn't really matter at that point because people were now just playing playstation 3 games and this is about when i think the playstation 3 started to play catch up because this is when it became a secondary console for people and oftentimes if you look at the actual sales the ps3 outsold the xbox 360 but if you look at public opinion at least in the u.s the xbox 360 won this generation well, and that's what I was saying at the at the, at the top of this conversation was that the uh, the public perception was that the the PS3 was always playing catch up. Well, the PS3 established here, and I think the what they established is something that Microsoft just didn't really quite catch up with in the next generation. Was they they established not just the console exclusive because both systems had console exclusives, but they established the prestige console exclusive. Yes. And it doesn't start with The Last of Us. The Last of Us was the exclamation point on that. Uh, a lot of people will consider that one of the greatest games of all time in terms of narrative storytelling. And I, I absolutely would. But you also had Demon's Souls, which never came anywhere else. And well, Naughty Dogs... <laughs> Uh, is it on Xbox One or Xbox uh, whatever it's called? Actually, that may Series just X? be on PS5. I don't know. I got to look at that. I, I, I think Demon's Souls is an exclusively PlayStation uh, title in general. Uh, you also had God of War 3 and God of War Ascension. And those, I think, are leading up titles. You can go back and listen to our God of War episode to hear us talk a little bit more, more about that. But also Naughty Dog's Uncharted series, which kind of capitalized the adventure puzzle uh game but all of these i think were things that would lead into what became so important about the ps4 is these exclusives that weren't just exclusives but they were exclusives that you had to play like they were prestige games that won all the awards that were extremely popular amongst the gaming fan base and that you couldn't play unless you had a ps3 or PS4. Like if, unless you had a PlayStation, you couldn't play this game. And this is is something like yes, Microsoft has had Xbox and it's had a number of other little franchises and stuff that I have wanted to play and do play. But in terms of prestige series, this is what I think helped catapult Sony in the in the uh subsequent generation into such prominence. Not only that, but they retook their narrative from the public opinion because during the e3s there is this whole kerfuffle about sony or not sony uh microsoft not letting people 
have used games like that they, the, that games would be tied to a console as we moved from the xbox 360 to the xbox one and from the playstation 3 to the playstation 4 microsoft was was going towards a more what we call always on meaning the in the, the console always needed to be connected to the internet for things your disc was relatively meaningless if you bought it because you were going to install the game and you were going to play it and it was going to stay connected that way. And, and, and that the disc basically, so, so you couldn't like loan your disc to somebody else. And because you've already redeemed that copy, most of this stuff ended up not actually hitting the Xbox one at launch because the, the public opinion was so bad. We talk about, we talk about Sony roasted them at E3 because the, the, I think we talked about this years ago when we watched the E3 because Sony had a whole presentation is here is how to share your games with a friend. And they simply just had one person give another person a copy of the game. And that was the end of the the, the demo. And, and, and so this is this is where if we talk about the PlayStation 3 as as being a console of hubris. I think similar cases can be made to the Xbox one. Now, Microsoft has, I believe, faced that and turned that hubris in the early xbox one days around much faster than sony did but, absolutely but uh, so i want to give i i give microsoft full credit for that they have done I fantastic mean, I, I don't this think generation. you or i are gonna say like we have our favorites we are clearly sony people but i mean microsoft makes a good console there is a lot to be said about every iteration of the xbox especially the xbox one which with game pass and its integration with with um what they're doing with their pc stuff i mean they're doing some excellent forward-thinking stuff but i would say all of that is in reaction to a hundred percent we're going to talk about next which is a hundred percent which is the playstation 4 the playstation 4 saw sony i mean completely grab dominance back to, to the degree that it is in the the top uh, four selling consoles of all time. Sony learned their lessons. Yes. Uh, so they knew they needed to return to basics. They actually debuted the the PS4 in the US for the first time. November of 2013, we got the PlayStation 4 first. It didn't come out in, in Japan until February of 2014. And this that's wild. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, it has now so but this also marked a huge shift in the internal component. So we talked about the cell processor and we talked about how the Xbox 360 was easier to program for because it more matched what PC components were doing. Well, Sony shifted their development to to be closer to that. In fact, if you look at an Xbox one and a PlayStation four, they use some of the same exact components. Oh, 100 percent. It's, it's it's wild. But uh. But that just made development that much easier for it. So you've got this console that seems to be a lesson learned. You've got it easier to develop for. You've got this other console that that seems to not. It wants to be a media center and it wants to be a cable box. and It wants to be this and it wants to be that. It wants to be the one thing in your media center. And Sony utilize that in all of their 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 attack ads and their their uh what you have it because i think if you look at it Sony was doing the same thing but they they know they know at this point we have to talk have to talk about a little bit they had caught on to the gaming 
not just the industry, but the the hashtag gamers. Yes, um, one of the most entitled groups of of fandoms to (laughs) to walk the the planet. And I say that as a gamer, Um, I I try not to be that way, but I I definitely call out a lot of people who behave that way. But but Sony, Sony figured that out real quick and they were really smart with their marketing. But not only that, but they were also really smart to start really hammering in on those exclusives because they they knew that everyone needed a reason to get a PlayStation. And so you start making these games that were only on uh, on PlayStation 4. And I I don't have the facts in front of me, but because we we threw this this whole thing together in trying to, you know, save our Queeby month. But <laughs> I would, I would, I would probably imagine, as far as high-profile exclusives, the PS4 had more than the PS3 did, and I mean, as far as high-profile ones, I mean, because we we've talked about God of War and what a massive game that was. You've got uh, the Last of Us Part Two, as well as the Last of Us Remastered, uh, the subsequent Uncharted games, Spider Man. Which became a massive, massive game. Uh, Final Fantasy fifteen and a number of other oh. Japanese. Another of th- these are these were limited windows of exclusivity. I think uh, Final Fantasy fifteen got a year, year eighteen months. Uh, same with the uh, seven remake. Yeah, that's true. Seven remake still isn't out on other platforms as we record this. And. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think Bloodborne was also one of them, and oh, that might have been PS3. No, the Bloodborne was PS4. It was PS4. Okay, um, so you you have this uh, like a consistent string of of console exclusives on top of a lot of the things that they're doing right. But one thing that we're we're outside of the games that we don't mention, haven't mentioned yet, is that this is also the first time where you had to pay for the ps plus or the use of the internet on your playstation which has its ups and downs i mean it's it's it matches what microsoft had been doing for years it 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 does i personally never had an issue with ps plus when it was free i know other people have so i can't argue against it because i i've I've talked to people who said like i could never get online i could never play against anybody i I never had the issue but I, I also just time, I also didn't play a lot of online games in that era. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you until Destiny. I didn't play many online games on a console at all. I am, and, am and in the same don't. boat. Introvert time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still very much a, a solo uh, gamer person unless it comes to Destiny. But I, I think that the PS4, you know. I think Drew put it best as a return to form. You've got the the DualShock 4, which is such a comfortable controller. The I love this controller. The first major revision to the DualShock controller in decades with the DualShock 4. And they have now, well, they've now in the, the, the PlayStation 5 changed it to the DualSense, which I'm going to tell you is a revelation. I will I will find out as of recording. I will find out tomorrow because my <laughs> PS5 is not quite in yet. Um, but but it, it just it but really as a PlayStation fan, it felt good to to know that 
the console that you chose was going to have the stuff that you wanted to play on it. And I know that seems weird to say, but we live in a weird time and money is a factor in all of this stuff when it comes to Mm -hmm. entertainment. And there was not a guarantee that you were going to get everything. And then, of course, the PS4 doesn't have everything. It doesn't have any of the Halo games, or the Gears of War games. It only got Mass Effect games this generation. It, no, but PS3 had Mass Effect. It had Mass Effect 3. I don't think it had. Uh, I think it had two, didn't it? I don't remember. I didn't no, have. No, no, you're right. It, it, it had two. No, it had three. And then I think there was a version where you could either download two or there was a there was a story catch up or something. It, it didn't have one. I think it might have had two. It doesn't I, matter. Yeah, it, did, it didn't have one. It doesn't matter. Um, my. When you're talking about you want to make sure the the one that you chose was, you know, the correct choice or or the, the games that you want to play. That That's what it all comes down to, because the Xbox still has games I want to play uh, on my Xbox one, which I still haven't made time to play is uh, Monolith Software's uh, Lost Odyssey, which had a lot of people f- uh, from the development team of Final Fantasy VIII had uh, Ibotso doing the score. And I remember playing on my 360 and really enjoying it. And you can only play it on an Xbox console. Uh, for a while, Cuphead was only on Xbox. Al- uh, Alan um, Wake is still only Xbox. It's also on PC. Yeah, well, I'm not but the, really but again, there. but that's <laughs> also but but again, that's also true of a lot of Microsoft of a lot of Xbox titles and Microsoft published titles. Well, because yeah, we and we were talking about the integration of of Xbox One with using a lot of the PC stuff, and there 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 being a lot more fluidity there. Um, so there's still stuff I want to play on the Xbox that I I could not play if I only had a PlayStation. But in terms of what I most want out of a console, I I, I still like. Even though there, yes, there are some games that I would rather play, but honestly, Halo is not being done by Bungie anymore. Destiny is, and to me, Destiny is better. So I don't care about not having Halo. Alan Wake, you know, I'm bummed, but I've also played Control, and I know how poorly they handle that universe. So that that's fine. That's, that's a personal opinion. Some a lot of people, I haven't played it, so I can't say that. But it was considered Game of the Year for a number of people. I, Miles, I understand that, but the, 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 they're, they're Miles, wrong. Miles seems to be in the minority <laughs> of his opinion on Control. I, look, I mean, I I I love the story of Control. Well, but that that, that's a whole is... that's a whole other conversation. And again, part of that problem is that one of the big one of the big reasons in Control on the PlayStation Four in particular is considered a black mark because the the. All of these consoles, Xbox One and PS4, both were so quickly outpaced by PCs this generation. If you could get if you could afford a a decent gaming PC or a good gaming PC, you could get way better performance, way better graphics, 4K, blah, 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 super texture, VR, etc. in a way that would just blow your socks off. But. When you have a launch PS4 that sounds like a jet engine when it's trying to run a game, it it just doesn't. It's it's not. My, it's not a great. Mine look. still sounds fine, and my I've had the same PS4 since the launch. <laughs> well, I will. I have. I I've, also I've, have a launch. I've lucked out. I also have a launch PS4, and uh, let me tell you, after playing a PS5 for a couple of days, and that thing is silent. 
gonna be tough to go back. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I mean, in every everything, I, 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 I don't care about control. Like we're we're, we're, yeah, we're not talking about that. But but with the PS4, like the weird thing about the PS4 was they cleaned up their image. They kind of did a return to let's focus on games. Let's give them the controller that they're they're comfortable with. Let's you know make a better experience. They didn't do anything that special. This was not a revolutionary console. I love the console, but they didn't do anything drastic. All they did was take the mistakes that they they made with the marketing and the initial outlying of the PS3 and fix all that. Everything they did towards the end of that console's life, they just uh, increased it. They upped the amount of massive exclusives that they had. And and that was really kind of I think what helped win them the generation this time is they totally. they, they got games that not only did they, they that they were the only ones that had, but that was the game that everyone had to play. I remember especially with Spider Man. Spider Man became the game to play in 2019. And to be perfectly game. honest, it's one of my favorite Spider Man stories of all time. Totally agree. Totally agree. So uh, they did a really good job of bringing people back to focusing on the games because yeah, both consoles have apps, both consoles have the streaming services. Like that's that's honestly secondary. The all consoles from this from from the seventh generation, I guess, is what PS3 and Xbox 360 were. Uh, Six, whatever generation those are. All all consoles from that seventh forward. Okay, seventh generation forward. They're, they're, they're media centers. We, we, we know that. They sold them as that. But that's what they're always going to be. They are entertainment centers. But from here on out, it's going to be how do you play the games? Because the media center part doesn't matter anymore. My TV can do everything that my PS4 can in terms of a media center for all the apps and everything else. Like The media center part does not matter. And what's going to be interesting going forward and I haven't spent any time with the PS5, Drew, I know you have, is, is how that gaming experience either changes or improves. And that's just what we don't know yet. But that's, we'll see. You know, this is, we, we might return to this in a couple of years and talk about the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 6 and the Xbox uh, uh, Orbit Xbox yeah, Orbit's well, actually pretty good. Let's not pretend name. the Xbox is going to get any better with naming their consoles. If I have one criticism to give Microsoft, it's they cannot name their consoles for anything. Uh, Xbox Orbit, I actually like. I coined that. If they call it that, I, I like I claim. Xbox Orbit. I like Xbox anything. Stop messing around with letters and numbers because it's awful. <laughs> 360 was dumb. Xbox One, even dumber. Xbox Series X, the dumbest. Well, you know why they called it the 360? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care why it was called the 360. I like my consoles to have an actual name. They called it the Xbox 360 because they knew they couldn't call it the Xbox Two when they were competing against the PS3 because it made it sound like they were a generation behind at the start. So they called it the 360. It's the pettiest marketing thing. And you know what? I don't fault them. 
I don't fault. You him. know what? You know what? I I, I want to give him flack for that, but I do understand that. But yo, have some confidence. But then the Xbox One that's, and the Xbox that's, Series. Yeah, see that that's that's small D energy to me. Uh, I'm sorry, like I don't like that at all. Well, I don't like that at all. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap this episode up talking about the PlayStation because we've rambled like two old men for long enough about these about these stupid video game consoles miles what are we doing next week we haven't figured that out yet gang surprise surprise (laughs) um so so drew drew and i have have gone back and forth on a couple of things for next week we it is gonna be another episode where we kind of have a free-for-all um we're gonna go ahead and tell you right now december is going to be kind of our 2020 wrap-up month um typically we've we've kind of done the mori's uh, where we do kind of a little semi award show, but because 2020 is what it is, uh, we're going to focus each week on things that we loved from each medium. So we'll do a, th- a week on comics, a week on movies, a week on shows, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but for next week, I will announce it on our Twitter because we still have not quite figured it out. It'll probably be something really simple and fun. Uh, I've been pushing Drew to, since we were talking about old video games, to watch The Wizard on HBO Max. And because I, I haven't watched that since yeah, I was a kid. I haven't I, either. Let's call, uh, I'm calling it. I'm calling it on the field. We're watching uh, The yeah? Wizard next week. All right. Awesome. Uh, featuring the future singer of Rilo Kylie, Jenny Lewis. And I think Fred Savage is in it. <laughs> and, and Ben Savage's older brother is in this movie. So. Uh... Yeah, uh, I remember really, really enjoying this. I remember critics uh, later calling this a glorified Nintendo commercial, which has never stopped me from enjoying it. So it's been a, b- a good 20 years since I've seen this movie. I, I'm, I am excited. You can watch this if you are a member of HBO Max. Um, and I'm sure you can get a free trial if you want to watch along with us. Otherwise, I, I know that it's available to rent on Amazon and iTunes and whatever you want to rent your digital media on. So until next time, Drew, how can people get in touch with us? You can find us at themoreyounerd.com. You can tweet to us at themoreyounerd. You can find us at facebook.com slash themoreyounerd. And of course, you can email us themoreyounerd at gmail.com. That's themoreyounerd at gmail.com. And until, so until then, next time... <laughs> We're going to end this show as we always do. With a rousing nerd. Nerd. Out. Out. Echoey.